0: DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. EFL All Access, on TalkSport 2. Welcome to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2, as Norwich put up a fight in the East Anglian derby to prevent bitter rivals Ipswich going top of the table. Comes back to Rowe, it's squeezed in, it's under the goalkeeper, it's a second for John Rowe and Norwich City. It was deflected beyond Vaclav Latke and Norwich have turned the game around. Leeds were also unable to close the gap at the top after a home draw with Coventry, a missed opportunity perhaps. Well, manager Daniel Farker isn't panicking. The championship is relentless, and sometimes yeah, you come back into the dressing room and you can't explain
1: why you didn't win this game because uh, you create more than enough. This is just what, what happens when we win. Really
0: and Pompey, seven points clear at the top of the League One table. Life is good for their boss, John Massinho.
2: Credit to all of the group today because I think they're showing a huge amount in terms of their togetherness. It's not just a word that we sort of chuck out there, but a huge amount in terms of their togetherness, their willingness to win as a whole squad and, and you know, credit to them.
0: Meanwhile, we'll be talking about the bottom of the championship table, another late win for Sheffield Wednesday. Podcaster James Mappin will give us his thoughts on whether the Owls can avoid relegation this season. The former Sunderland left-back, Mickey Gray, will join us to give his reaction to the news that Michael Beale has been appointed as the new manager at the Stadium of Light. That's a big one. Uh, Listen, uh, I think we're going to have to discuss that really in depth. But anyway, plenty for me and the former Portsmouth and Huddersfield manager, Danny Cowley, to sing Our teeth into over the next hour. You're listening to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. So stunned by that Sunderland news, I took my own breath away there. Uh, Remember, we'll also have all the build-up to live and exclusive Championship action here on TalkSport 2 as the leaders Leicester look to uh, capitalise on the lack of points for the chasing pack this weekend. All the build-up, as I say, from 7pm kickoff, coming at 8. Good evening, Danny Cowley. Good evening to you. How are you? I'm taken aback by the news regarding Sunderland. Um, I'm very intrigued to hear what Mickey Gray is going to have to say when he joins us. Um, and then listen, I'm most intrigued by uh, maybe some of your former clubs. We'll talk about the bottom of the championship, Huddersfield involved in that, the top of League One, Pompey sitting very nicely as well. But we're going to start with the top of the championship, I think. And maybe it's just because of... The lack of victories there, which, you know, most weeks we're talking about the fact that everyone's cruising along very, very nicely. In a way, it's almost expected that Ipswich dropped points. Uh, Leeds also failed to take advantage and close the gap. Both sides drawing this weekend, but let's start with the East Anglian derby because it was a bit of a barnstormer. And that's really what a derby should be in my eyes, which is why I'm not going to criticise Ipswich too much because just about anything can happen. It's the old cliche, isn't it? Form goes out the window. Ipswich led through Nathan Broadhead. A John Rowe double took Norwich in front before West Burns hit the equaliser. So I imagine you probably agree with me in maybe thinking it, it was a bigger point, a more valuable result for Norwich in many ways.
1: Yeah, I think it was a good point for Norwich. I mean, I thought Ipswich were excellent again. For me, it just shows how far Ipswich have come as a football club in, in, in recent times. If you look over the last, you know, only two years ago, Norwich would have been a Premier League club, Ipswich would have been a League One club, yet yeah, they're now in the same division. And actually, Ipswich went into this game as, as outright favourites. Um, and again, I thought it was another really dominant performance from them. But, but I think Norwich will be happy with the point. There's been a turnaround of form for them, which has been really, really important for David Wagner. Um, obviously, Ben Napper going in in the sporting director role. Um, when a new sporting director comes into the building and the team's form is not very good, you normally fear the worst for the manager. But Ben coming in has actually seen an upturn in form, and this has been very, very important for David Wagner. And, and obviously, two goals for for young John Rowe, his, his first um, his, his first derby game, um, really, really big moment for, for him in his career
0: yeah yeah I think it was a good one for Norwich City. They never I think when that first goal went in, you know you thought if it becomes two it's gonna be a really long afternoon, so just to claw in the match and got they got the goals and key points if you like it kept stopping Ipswich from turning that momentum into something that would have seen the game run away from them. So really, John Rowe hitting those goals at key moments, I think, personally. And I think you're right. Yeah, they have turned a corner. Big for David Wagner. One defeat in the last seven games. Um, I, no criticisms, in my opinion, for, for Ipswich. They can't win every single weekend. And as I mentioned, very, very tough in a match like this. Been five years since the last East Anglian derby. So there was always going to be a little bit of extra pressure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Derby games are always unique games. I don't I don't I think Ipswich will see it as a good weekend ultimately. Of course they would have liked to have won at home and um, they would have you know they haven't won that derby game for for a number of years. But they had a really, really strong start in the game and, and like you alluded to, actually Norris scored in pivotal moments just before half time and just after half time. And when that happens that can really swing the the momentum of the game. But Ipswich, you know, stayed really true to the way that they play. Um, Kieran McKenna has just done a fabulous job there with that group of players and they just seem to have um, so much belief in in, in the group and the, and the way that they play. And even when they do hit difficult moments, they have the they have the confidence to overcome that. And I think that's what happens when you you get real consistency and then a real, real clarity over the over the game idea. So so being been really impressed with it, Rich and yeah. Obviously, they would have been pleased with the fact that that, that Leeds dropped points at
0: the weekend. Leeds United, our next topic. Yeah, the Leeds fans must be really frustrated because every time it feels like they're going to build up that real head of steam that sees them real Ipswich in, they just hit a little bit of a stumbling block there. Three wins, beaten by Stoke. Three wins, a draw away at Rotherham. Three wins, and then defeat in midweek against Sunderland, followed up by a draw at home against Coventry this weekend. Are they actually showing what they need to show if they are to be automatic automatically promoted? We know they've got quality, but there's a little something extra that comes towards a title race.
1: Yeah, I think they would be disappointed with the last two games for sure. They'd obviously won the previous three against Swansea, Middlesbrough and Blackburn. Um, and they looked like they were getting real momentum and a real head of steam. Um, and then all of a sudden they lose to Sunderland, and then, and then like you say, a, a draw with Coventry will feel like lost points for them. I think they'll be more disappointed with the draw than, than probably Ipswich were with their draw. Um, so. So no, but I, I still look at Leeds, I, I look at Danny Farker and, and, and his experience, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's had real success at this level and he knows what it takes to get a team promoted and I just look at the group of players and, and a lot of those players in that squad have had experience of getting promoted and when we now go through this Christmas period and we go into towards the back end of the season,
0: this experience is, is so important. I think, mentality in this title race. The race for automatic promotion really is what I should say. It's going to be a, a key thing. We'll talk about how it impacts a team in a few moments' time. But firstly, let's hear from the Leeds boss, Daniel Farker, because up next, an absolutely massive game for his side. Saturday lunchtime, they take on... Ipswich, 10 points behind them. We hear it live here on Talk Sport 2. Of course, both sides were unable to win this weekend, so I wonder if that makes it all the more important to Farka.
1: No, because it's also just about three points, like like today. So to have two points more uh, would be even uh, even the same next uh, next week. So it's it's not bigger. If it would be on the 42nd game day uh, or 43rd game day, that's then it would be a big game. But not after, uh, not even uh, the half of the season is played. Just another chance to win the next points, and we are always greedy to uh, to win points, especially especially at home. And for that, we are even more disappointed.
0: It was not possible to win this game today. I understand his frustrations with the result at the weekend. The best possible response is going to be beating Ipswich to close the gap to seven points live on TalkSport 2 at the weekend. Does it all boil down to mentality in your view, Danny?
1: Well, mentality always plays a part, particularly over the Christmas period, with the games come in as thick and fast as they do. Um, player mentality is, is everything, as, as we know um, I look at that game, and actually, I see it as a really, really important game for Leeds. If they want to get automatic promotion, I just, I just think that they they have to win this game. If, if, you know, there's already ten points between Ipswich and Ipswich Leeds and Southampton, which has just been the incredible consistency of Ipswich. Really, they've just surpassed, I think, everybody's expectation, probably even Kieran McKenna's. Um, but as I see it, I think it's a game that at LMO that these have to win, um, and I, I think we're going to learn a lot also about that Ipswich team on on, on Saturday. You know, playing in front of forty thousand at, at they this created such an atmosphere, such an energy. Um, and if Ipswich can um, can withstand that and come out with a positive result, then that will set them up really nicely for
0: the Christmas period. Yeah, one to mark our cards for Saturday lunchtime here on Talk Sport 2. Okay, you're listening to EFL All Access in partnership with 888 Sport. Made to challenge, made to debate, made to play. It's 18BGambleAware.org. Up next, we're talking Sheffield Wednesday. On DAB, online, via the Talk Sport app, and on your smart speaker. EFL All Access on Talk Sport 2. You're listening to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2 with myself, Hugh Wisencroft, and the former Lincoln City manager, Danny Cowley. Remember, we've got live and exclusive championship action coming up for you. All the build-up from 7 o'clock as Leicester City go to St. Andrews to face Birmingham. The leaders, of course, looking to extend... At their gap at the top, which is currently just goal difference, to three points with victory. Uh, but let's discuss the bottom of the table next and, well, we have to start with Sheffield Wednesday, don't we? What a game. Well, I say what a game. What a result <laughs> at the weekend uh, at Hillsborough. Anthony Massaba's 94th minute goal giving Wednesday that dramatic late win over fellow strugglers, Queen's Park Rangers. The Owls went behind in the 37th minute. Bambo Diaby diverting Ilyas Chair's shot past his own goalkeeper, but they equalised Really. Really late in the game, four minutes remaining when Bailey Kadamateri finished well and then Jeji Gasama's ball before um, Sus- um, Masaba grabbed that stoppage time winner which sent everyone into absolute raptures including the manager Danny Roel. Let's speak to James Mappin from the Wednesday Till I Die podcast. Good evening.
2: Evening, Hugh. How are you? You all right?
0: I'm all right. I was there at the weekend. It was fantastic. Um, the crowd is always sensational, to be honest. But you felt it really, really meant something. Uh, what was your reaction when that ball hit the back of the net?
2: Oh, absolute pandemonium. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we we score late goals. so We certainly do this season, obviously, the back end of last with the playoffs as well. Um Typically, that's not us, you know. Uh, we we normally on the receiving end of of late goals, but you know, uh, yeah, I was I was sat in the north stand. Uh, I I wasn't seated when that ball <laughs> hit the back of the net. Uh, I'll tell you that I was I was going crazy, and yeah, you're right when you said it meant so much. You know, the game wasn't great. Um, I don't think we we're you know at the first half. Kind of passed us by quite quickly, Um, but I think one thing that uh, Danny Real's instilled into him is that belief and that kind of togetherness and keep going right to the death. And you know, uh, I mean, I would have been happy with a point to be honest, you know, the way that the game had panned out. But I think once we got that one, once we got that goal back, you know, I think it was only going to be one winner. And and yeah, like I said, I think that's four last-minute goals or goals in injury time in the last five games that we've scored now. So it's becoming uh, it's becoming quite the norm, uh, to be honest.
0: It's interesting you say you would have taken a, a point how the game went before the game. Were you viewing it that way or were you saying it's absolutely must win?
2: Yeah, it was a six-pointer, was not it? You know, uh, when you look at the gap and... Um, just from you know, from us to safety, I think it was, I think it was, it was eight points. I think before mm. uh, before we kicked off, and all right, I know um, QPR weren't eight points ahead of us, but you know, if they were to have beaten us, then you know, that's another team that, that that's kind of pulling away from us. And even though the, the performances have been a lot better under Danny Real, uh, I mean, look, the the bar wasn't set very high. I, I must admit, but you, you look at it and you think, you know, you need to beat the teams around us um, because. That, that's how you're going to get out of the the mess that we're in. You know, that the season's not going to be won away at Carrow Road, um, you know, like we did in midweek. Obviously we we lost that game. Uh, it, it, you need to pick up points against the teams around you. Mm. Um certainly not lose it. And I felt that's how the game went in the first half. I don't think either team wanted to lose. Um but but yeah before the game, yeah, we we needed to win. Must it's not must win in terms of how the season's going to pan out, but just psychologically I think more than anything else
0: it means you've picked up 10 points from the last 15 available. What what do you think the difference has been? I know you mentioned the late goals, but obviously it wasn't coming down to, you know, that finer margin in the previous games before that. So clearly, in terms of your ability to stay in matches, something has, has changed. From your perspective, what is that?
2: I, I do just think it is belief. I think it's all psychological. It's the same players that were there at the start of the season, you know, same players that were there for the first 10 games where we picked up, I think, two points or whatever it was that, um, you know, nothing else has changed uh, in, t- in terms of personnel. However, you know, the, the manager is, is obviously doing something in training. Um, and, I, and I think it is just that, you know, telling people that they can do it. I think the tactics are, are far better as well. You know, we're much more on the front foot, much more, you know, pressing. Didn't really do that on on Saturday, I must admit. But um, on the whole, it is a lot more attacking, having much more possession, of the ball and you know. if, you, if you've got the ball, there's more chance of you winning the game. I know it sounds really simple and really stupid, but when you when you're down here, that's sometimes all that it all that it takes. But you know, I think everyone's buying into what Danny Rills trying to do. He's very analytical, um, l- loves all the numbers, loves you know, loves XG and, and all things <laughs> like that and, and everything else, which I know is a bit of a taboo subject for certain fans. Um, but he, he's he's all over that, and I'm I'm sure he's just instilling that into the players, uh, ramming it down the throats, and and kind of you know when when the Sometimes the results haven't gone our way, but you've seen in the performance that you know, if, if we carried on playing like that, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be all right. Um, and, and we've seen that you know in, in recent weeks. You know, the Stoke game again wasn't great, but we stayed into it right at the death. Uh, and obviously, you know, Nick to Nick to win it, which will be vital. And and yeah, it's just it's great to see you know, uh, like I said, the bar's not wasn't set very high, but we're now we've got a, a young, exciting manager, um, that's you know really starting to do things with the players and I'm excited for January as well especially if, uh, Mm. well, as long as the chairman opens his purse strings a little bit
0: Well that's an interesting point isn't it I was going to ask you really if you feel the mood's beginning to change a little bit but you know protests still before the game at the weekend, um, the results obviously help things a lot but if you aren't in the market and active and trying to get yourselves out of this situation with just those two or three players that could really help you, Mm. do you feel like there will be big criticism from the
2: fans? Yeah, hundred percent. Like you know, uh, on the pitch, I think things have been you know on an upward t- trajectory. You know, the, the performances have been better, the results have uh, have obviously uh, been a lot better as well, and we're starting to close that gap to safety. Which you know, fingers crossed, we can do the same on Saturday. But yeah, off the pitch, you know, there's a lot of things you know season tickets were supposed to be on sale last week then they said it then they, then they weren't um that's kind of still up in the air you know we don't really know what's what's happened there uh, january is just around the corner he said he wasn't putting any extra money into the club um but then we've got a new head of recruitment and things like that so you, again the, the all the things off the pitch that kind of need to align with what's happening on the pitch um you know the fans Will wholeheartedly back the team, you know, right to the death. You, you saw that at the weekend, you know the the emotions. I don't know if you you saw right at the end. Mm, now fans mm. stayed as well, uh, you know, and, and Danny Real walking around and, cl- and clapping all the fans, uh, and, and us doing exactly the same to him as well. And um, so on the pitch, it's it's great. It's just off the pitch, you know. There's there's a lot of easy wins that the chairman can. Can have. Uh, we're not saying that we need to sign a, you know, a ten million pound striker in in January. That we're not. We're not saying that, but we just need. Now we've got someone in Danny Reel who, who we believe in, and, and fans have fully taken to him in such a short space of time. Now it's now is the time to actually to back him and and see if you know where where that can take us. Now you know where where that can can get us. And obviously the first uh, objective is to to stay in the championship come next season
0: huge game at the weekend against Cardiff they've only scored once in their last 5 games do you think the team will do it very quickly
2: uh why not you know we're we're in almost like promotion form at the moment where we mm. are, you know, we are not down near the bottom. I think that helps us in a certain, in, in a weird way, you know, Cardiff, where are they mid table twelfth, I think they are. So their fans and everything will, will, will look to that game thinking, well, we've got to beat these They're at the bottom. They're not very good. Um, you know, bypassing the fact that, you know, that our recent form is, as you've said, ten. 10- Ten points from his last fifteen, you know, held the league leaders at at home. Our home form is is a lot better than what it is away. So yeah, I'm going into that game thinking that we can, you know, get that gap down to just three points to safety.
0: And then it would be a very, very Merry Christmas. And I wish you one too. Uh, Thank you very much for joining us. James Mappin from the Wednesday Till I Die podcast. You can check it out, of course, as part of the TalkSport Fan Network. So go to the TalkSport podcast feed, wherever you get your podcast from, and you will see a variety of different podcasts there for you. And the gentleman will be with you very, very soon on a Thursday. All of the uh, fan network uh, bringing you the best of the EFL. But that is James Mappin. Thank you very much. Sheffield Wednesday, absolutely flying. We are going to move on to the big news of the day in the championship and it comes at sunderland they've appointed the former rangers boss michael beale as their new head coach 43 years old he signed a two and a half year deal at the stadium of light you'll remember that he had a brief spell with the queens park rangers in the championship last season he left in november of last year to join the scottish giants rangers of course um He won 31 of his 43 games in charge of Rangers, sacked on the 1st of October after three defeats in their first seven league matches this campaign. He's replacing Tony Mowbray as boss, of course. They are seventh in the championship at three points outside the playoffs following that 1-0 defeat away at Bristol City this weekend. But that did come after successive wins under the caretaker Mike Dodds, who's going to be staying on as their assistant head coach. Uh, Let's hear from a man who's a bit of a legend in those parts, the former Sunderland left-back, Mickey Gray, joins us. Good evening, Mickey. Hugh, you're too kind. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm very well, but I have to say, I'm sure you've seen it. The Sunderland fans are divided on this decision, and it's about a 90 to 10 ratio in favour of it being a bad decision versus give him a chance. I mean, which camp are you in?
3: Um, Well, at the moment, the latter. I mean, I'm still in the Tony Mowbray camp because Mm. I think everybody was... uh, a little, a little disappointed to say the least when he lost his job at Sunderland because um, I think everybody thought he'd done a fantastic job there. He, he basically got everybody on side, and whenever you spoke to the supporters and you went to the stadium, they were enjoying what they're seeing. You know, they've got a, a young group of players together now, and they're not too far away from the playoff spots as you just mentioned there before, three points behind Hull City. And um, yeah, it's just a shame, isn't it? You know, because it looks like uh, well, Sunderland was certainly going in a in the right direction and and this is maybe uh maybe the club at a, at a turning point yet again but um Michael Beale's been in charge and um uh, we've we've got to get behind him and see exactly what happens over the next few weeks
0: do you think this appointment signifies something in particular for where the hierarchy at Sunderland are expecting this team to go
3: um in what sense? You you mean you know choosing choosing
0: Michael Beale, getting rid of Tony Mowbray, and choosing a manager like Michael Beale. Does that give us any indication of the bigger picture as to where they want Sunderland to be, how they want them to play?
3: Uh, possibly, yeah. Um, I think the surprising thing was that um, when Tony lost his job, there was there was maybe a list of maybe a dozen play- uh, managers or, or maybe ten. 10 managers, and I, I don't think Michael Beale's name was actually on that list. Um, if it was, it would have been very far down. I think we thought we were going to go maybe uh, European. It looked like um, there was there was somebody going to come in from, from a different country yeah. and give us a different direction. Um, but I think what it all boils down to is, I mean, the recruitment at the club now is, is to sign younger players. If, if you're not of the age of under 23 or under 24, then I don't think you're going to be walking through the door at Sunderland Football Club. And, and we all knew that. That wasn't a surprise to anybody. Um, but I think when we lost certain individual players in the transfer market um, in the summer, everybody thought that there was going to re- be replacements, uh, certainly for Ross Stewart. And I think that's been the big miss from, from us this season that we've not had a centre forward who's been able to put the ball in the back of the net To the, up to this point, maybe, I don't know, 10 to 15 times. I and mean, it's been down to people like Jack Clark and And maybe others in the team as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that was a bit disappointing. So, I hope that's something that gets rectified in January.
0: And it's interesting because the Rangers fans' reactions, when I was today looking through forums, social media reaction, (laughs) they were kind of saying the thing that worried the most was Bill's recruitment while he was at Rangers. They think he wasted an awful lot of money, didn't get those players playing very well, and virtually lost the dressing room. Of the signings that he had made, so listen, I I, I get it, the Rangers fans are a little bit burnt, maybe they're they're completely biased when it comes to discussing uh, Michael Beale. but we have to remember that he was appointed as Queen's Park Rangers boss less than 18 months ago, and I don't even want to ask the QPR fans what they think about him, he was meant to be loyal as we remember, and now he's on to his third club in the last, like I say, 18 months, so does that concern you?
3: Yes it does. Um I mean you talk about loyalty there. Look, I think when he went to Queens Park Rangers and his record isn't fantastic there. I think it was nine wins and nine defeats and I think it was two or three draws as well when he was at the club and he was he was fortunate in my eyes to get a job the size of Rangers. Um we know he'd worked there before under Steven Gerrard, but um, there was speculation in between that of Michael Beale maybe um, opting to go to Wolverhampton Wanderers and for one reason or another that didn't happen. Um wow. But he's on the, uh, let's say, stroke coaching managerial role now. He's he's on the merry-go-round and he's, got, he's been given another fantastic opportunity at a club that gets 42,000 supporters mm. out every other week. So I just hope that um, him and, and his coaching staff, um, they, they hit the ground running because if not, then we know exactly what's going to happen. And these Sunderland supporters have gone through thick and thin and and a lot of it thin over the last decade. And just now, just at the point where we start to get everybody on side, then it, there's uproar, there's change. And you've heard all the interviews and the speculation from supporters, as you mentioned there before, on social media, et cetera. And, um, this, this guy needs to get it right because, you know, we've brought in different managers before in the past and they haven't been the right fit. And we've just got to hope and pray that um, he, he does the right thing at Sunderland. But... It'll all be down to words in the first interview that we hear from them. And, you know, the Sunderland supporters will always back their team and they'll always get behind who's in charge. And that's what
0: they're going to have to do. And we just hope that the results start um, coming our way as well. Uh, Mickey, when we look at his start, Coventry at home at the weekend, he'll be away at Hull and Rotherham. Preston then at home huge game in the FA Cup third round at home against Newcastle United, of course, and then a trip to Ipswich on the 13th. How important are the first few weeks of his time in charge?
3: Well, they're absolutely huge here. I mean, as I said, from that first speech that he'll, he'll have with his players when he walks into the dressing room, and Daniel know better than me how important that is. You know, I went through a lot of managers when I was when I was a player, and I always thought uh, if a manager came in and, and you... you you kind of bought into exactly what he was saying to you. He had a chance from that moment onwards. If he does not have that speech and he doesn't get the players on board from that first speech, probably today, I'm sure he would have met some of the players today. Um, And and if that's worked for him, then look, I I wish him all the best. Of course I do. Um, I just think there's certain managers are very fortunate and and find themselves in very lucky situations um, very early on in their managerial career. I know he's, He's done his due diligence and he's worked very hard as a a coach under some top managers uh, before he actually took charge of Queen's Park Rangers and then moved on to Rangers. This is another big opportunity for him. There's no question Mm -hmm. of that. And if the expectations are higher than what Tony Mowbray achieved in getting to the playoffs last season, um, getting to the final, um, sorry, getting to the semifinal and losing against Luton in the second leg, Uh, and being three points away from being in the playoffs this time around, even before you get to the December period, then the expectations have to be no less than getting into the playoffs. Mm. Because if he doesn't do that, then he's underachieved what Tony Mowbray's achieved at the club. So he knows exactly what's at stake. And I hope that the club, um, I hope their expectations are exactly the same because um, as, as I mentioned before, and Danny's just touched on there as well, they have to replace Ross Stewart. Those 20-odd yeah. goals that he got at the club, they have to bring in somebody who's going to try and get those those goals for you in the second half of the season. Now, I mentioned about bringing in players from the age of 24 and under. If that centre-forward's going to be of that age and he's going to walk through the door, then I'm, I'm looking around the championship at players of that age and that ilk. And I, I can't think of many, if I'm completely honest with yeah. you, and if you are going to bring somebody in of that ilk, then... How much is it going to cost you? Yeah. Is it going to cost you 2 or £3 million or is it going to cost you £10 million? I really don't know. And have Sunderland got the funds to go out and bring in a player of that stature to take you basically to the next level?
0: Huge couple of months for the Sunderland fans. Michael Beal, their new manager. Mickey Gray, former Sunderland left-back, thank you for being with us on EFL All Access. As I mentioned, Coventry at home in Michael Beal's first game. It's going to be really intriguing to see what kind of welcome he gets from those Sunderland fans. But he is your new boss, taking over from Tony Mowbray. Huge decision made by the club today. Of course, all in the hopes of taking Sunderland back to the Premier League one day. We'll see if he can achieve it during his time at the Stadium of Light. Okay, you're listening to EFL All Access in partnership with 888 Sport. Made to challenge, made to debate, made to play. It's 18BGambleAware.org. On DAB, Plus, online, via the Talksport app, and on your smart speaker. EFL All Access on Talksport 2. You're listening to EFL All Access. Good evening. I am Hugh Wizencroft alongside Danny Cowley, the former Huddersfield and Pompey Boss is here alongside me. And let's get into League One, Danny. Back-to-back defeats for Bolton is where we begin a tough week for them uh, facing uh, Portsmouth and then Bristol Rovers this weekend. Uh, I know you watched the game against Bolton last Monday night. Um, Some saying Bolton were outclassed in that one. I don't know what you thought about that. And then did that kind of lead into the issues that they faced this weekend? Did they just maybe lose a bit of confidence coming into the game against Bristol Rovers, who, by the way, beat Bolton for the first time since 1989?
1: Yeah, I think actually, yeah, they just lost a little bit of momentum going into the game. I think Portsmouth played really, really well on the Monday night. But again, it's really small margins these games at, at, at any level, but particularly at, at the top of League One at the moment. I mean, Dion Charles had two really guilt-edged opportunities. One, probably the probably the miss of the season, if we're honest, uh, when the score was still at nil nil at Fratton Park and Bud Varson had a header. Will Noise makes a brilliant save and the goal's gaping and Dion Charles just has to side-foot it in and somehow he side-foots it wide. And it was literally in that moment um, that the game changed and Portsmouth started to get more confidence in the game. They scored at a vital time just before half-time and second half, Portsmouth were excellent. And And I think it just took a bit of bit of the momentum out of out of Bolton. And then they obviously played at home. You'd have anticipated them beating Bristol Rovers, but then Santos gets sent off in the first half and then it becomes a really, really difficult game for them. And um, yeah, they suffered, but I think they're a really good team. I think they're probably the most mature team in the division. Ian Everett's been there a long time. They've got clarity over how they want to play. I think they've recruited really, really well towards that style, and and I still see them as being, you know, for me, I look at the top of the division, and I think it's going to be between between Portsmouth. I think it's going to be between Bolton. I think I I also think Derby will still will, will still still have something to say in the mm. automatics as as Peterborough, who are on a fabulous run at the moment
0: some very strong teams towards the top of the table you mentioned Beaterborough second now after that win at Fleetwood only one defeat in 15 league games for them Darren Ferguson their boss urging them to show more ruthless uh, ruthlessness really when they're away from home in particular they did move into the automatic promotion spots as I say with the 1-0 win away from home uh, at Fleetwood Um, they're looking to avoid a repeat of last season they reached the playoffs and then lost on penalties to Sheffield Wednesday um do you see Peterborough being able to do that? That's the goal. Automatic.
1: Well, I've been so impressed with Peterborough. I've been really impressed with their recruitment. They went really brave, really bold in the, in the summer, kind of yeah, it, kind of driven by Darren McAnthony and, and and Darren Ferguson. Um, but but you know recruited really young, and I just look at the athleticism and the pace in their team, and it's unrivalled in that division. There's no there's no team in in that division that has the pace and the power. Um, um, Mason Clark is, 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 is a fantastic example mm. of that. Poker as well. Um, Jay Jones is now coming to the fore. Um, and, and I just look at them and they've got a lot of young players that are on an upward curve. And I see them progressing and improving as the season goes on. And yeah, for them to find themselves in second place going into the Christmas period, I think would probably be beyond their expectation. But now they're there. I see a team that's getting better and better and, um, yeah, it's really, really exciting. If they can, you know, we, we know that Peterborough are a team that like to, like to sell players um, and sell their assets. They will need to help keep hold of those young players in the January window. And if they can do that, um, then I think they're in a really, really powerful position come the second half of the season.
0: Good win for Portsmouth, maybe expected, but a, a quality win for Portsmouth away at Shrewsbury. I did want to talk about one result, one team towards the bottom of the table, and that is Exeter. They're away from home at Stevenage, so it was a very good point for them, but still no wins in 12, and you wonder, will it save the job of Gary Caldwell? And they got Cambridge United next. They're in, in 16th, but being three points above the relegation places, of course, is not where they want to be. Gary Caldwell saying... It has to be a turning point. Do you agree with him?
1: Well, I think it was a really big result. You know, when when you go down to 10 men in the first half and then concede straight after, when you've been on the run that it's to have been on, you fear for them for sure. Um, but they showed real metal in the second half. I think they come out maybe with not, with a kind of nothing-to-lose mentality um, and, and really attack the Stevenage team. We would probably be tired and fatigued, if we're honest, because they'd obviously had the 120 minutes in the FA Cup on a Tuesday mm. night away at Port Vale. So it hadn't been an easy period for the Stevenage team. Um, and, but but credit to Exeter, because like I said, when, you, when you're on the run of form that they've been on and you're down to 10 men, it can be very, very easy to fear the worst and feel sorry for yourself, and almost the players go into victim mode. But they didn't. They um, they regrouped, and it was a strong second half performance, and and and, a, and an important point. And yeah, I, I hope for Exeter that it's a turning point because you know if it's not, then yeah, you you, you certainly fear for them.
0: Lots of good results elsewhere in the division as well. Ethan Chislett's hat-trick for Vale stood out for me. Great win for them, but also stopped a nine-game unbeaten run for Wigan. And I just want to highlight it because of the quality of the goals. It was a great hat-trick, one that will live long in his memory, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He's a boy that, that we watched a lot when he was at Wimbledon and um, he's a clever player, really good at finding his own space, um, really good at receiving the ball behind the opposing team's midfield and you know carries goal threat not just with goals but also with assists and for, for him to score a hat-trick and, the, and and like you've already alluded to, the quality of the goals um, was, was really important for Port Vale because again, they're another team that have been on a really, really difficult run and they're a team that have got into the leading in games and then being pegged back, as we saw on Tuesday night against Stevenage in the FA Cup. And in that game, to go 2-0 up as, uh, in, in in the first half and then get pulled back again to 2-all, you started to fear for for, for Paul Val. But again, they, they were able to find that, that that winning goal. And I think that that's that going to be really important, important to them and for them. For 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 not just the rest of the season, but this Christmas period. If you can hit this Christmas period with momentum, it's so so important because the games come so quickly. That if you can uh, can go into them in a confident moment, then I think it can be it can be really important.
0: And a special mention for another Ethan just before we finish the roundup of League One. Ethan Galbraith, a 94th minute winner for Leighton Orient. Hugely important for them. Their first league win since the 14th of October. Doesn't get much easier, though. Uh, as they go away to Bolton uh, next up they of course got the victory against Cheltenham Town this weekend slightly easier opponent but again a fantastic victory for them as they go marching on okay we're going to dive into league 2 straight after this you're listening to EFL all access in partnership with 888sport made to challenge made to debate made to play it's 18 plus on dab plus online via the talksport app and on your smart speaker efl all access on talksport 2 We'll You're listening to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Ten minutes from now, by the way, we are going to be bringing you all the build-up to our live game this evening. Birmingham City versus Leicester, exclusively in the championship here on TalkSport 2. So get very, very comfortable, OK? A long night ahead of us at Leicester City, aiming to go three points clear at the top of the table. Before we get to that, let's quickly dive into League 2. The top four all-win in this division. So it's as you were... But the result of the weekend, maybe the result of the weekend in the EFL, Stockport County, Danny Cowley, Stockport County hitting eight. It's their biggest win in 89 years. They'll be top for Christmas. It came at home to Sutton United. And after a tough opening to the season for Dave Challenger's side, they're not the business now, don't they?
1: Incredible victory for them, you know, to to, to to, to score eight goals in any division is is an outstanding achievement, but particularly against the Sutton team, who who are, you know have been known in recent times for the, for real grit and determination. I know this season has been difficult, but but a great win, particularly after the disappointment of losing in the FA Cup at home to Aldershot in midweek. Um having to play 120 minutes in that game as well to respond in the way they did um says everything I think about their team and their and their hopes uh, of, of promotion this season. But a, a brilliant, a brilliant uh Saturday for League Two. I think 40 goals in the division, some fantastic mm. away wins. Mansfield winning away, Morecambe winning but winning 5 0 at Doncaster, Bradford winning at Gillingham, um Barrow beating Swindon. So some 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 great wins for the away teams.
0: Yeah, let's talk about Barrow. You just mentioned them there. Um, 11 games without defeat now for Pete Wildside. Six, excuse me, six wins from six. We previously spoke to Pete Wild on the show. It seems like they're really building something going forward. And one of the big things in this division is budgets. You know, we spoke to Pete Wild about the finances, which he called... Kind of absolutely crazy, particularly when he was talking about the National League as well. It's not just, you know, in League Two. Some sides have a big, big budget down there. He's trying his best to do it on as little as he can and he's doing pretty well. Um, But what what difference does it make to a manager's approach, to their mindset, knowing that we haven't got as big a budget, we're going to have to find a USP, a unique selling point, if you like, to make this club progress? How much pressure does that put on your job?
1: Well, I think what it does do, it, it, gives, it, it gives you a, a natural filtering process because there's quite a lot of players that are, that are not available to you for, for, for financial reasons. And I think it does, as a consequence, it kind of filters out maybe players that would just come to you for money. And instead, what, what he's been able to do at Barrow is, is recruit players that, that are probably underrated, undervalued, but really, really hungry, humble, um, with a point to prove. And, and whenever you can find players uh, uh, with these attributes, it can be it can be very, 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 very successful as it is proving. And I just look at that squad, and I know that their finance might not be big, but they've got some brilliant experience. Paul Farman is a goalkeeper that we had at Lincoln, a brilliant character and a brilliant goalkeeper. James Chester, George Ray, Noel Canavan are really experienced event, defenders. Then they've got in midfield, David Worrell, um and and of course at the top end of the pitch they have Telford and, and, and Emil Aqua from that they signed from from Maidenhead, um, both with points to bruise the two forwards for different reasons. Probably Dom, Dom Telford that didn't really work out Crawley, and and obviously Emil Aqua coming from, from non league. Mm. Um but, but a, a, a little and large um, partnership at the top mm, end of the mm, pitch. Mm. Yeah, they've uh, they've been very, very successful and, and, and credit to them
0: mentioned some of the other good results this weekend, you mentioned Mansfield uh, beating Crawley three goals to one, Uh, Wrexham as well holding off Colchester 2-1 but it's about these four teams that really show they are going to be the most consistent, do you you think there's anyone else in League 2 actually at the moment who could rival them for the promotion or will it be a battle between these four?
1: Well, I was asked this question two weeks ago, and, and for me at the time, it was between Stockport, Rex and Mansfield and Notts County, but I don't see Notts County having the consistency at the moment. I think it's a big January transfer window for them, and, and Barrow with their form. I think they have to come in the equation. Um, there's always one team, maybe an unfancied team in League Two that finds promotion, and, and maybe that could be could be Barrow this season. But, but yeah, in terms of Mansfield, Wrexham, Stockport, um, incredible squads, um, had real consistency. And, yeah, for me, it's those three that, that are certainly
0: the favourites. We're going to keep a close, close eye on them over the Christmas period. Uh, Danny, before you go, you at many games over this uh, festive period while you're off?
1: Yes, yeah. I'm going to try to make the most of of, of getting out to the games. I, I lo- love the fact that there's a game on Thursday night. So I'm actually at St. George's Park on Thursday. So I'm going to probably go to um, to Derby Lincoln on Thursday night. And then Friday, I'm um, going to probably go to Cambridge. Um, I love Friday night football. And then haven't decided where I'm going to go Saturday, but but certainly we'll... Uh, Certainly we'll be out and about. and All right, well. Yeah, lucky enough, there's some freeze games as well to, to watch this week. So Make sure you at least
0: spend time. a little bit of time at home over this Christmas period, <laughs> won't you? Absolutely, yeah. Well, it'll be
1: actually my first Christmas off for for 15 years. Wow. So, yeah, going to try to enjoy some family time
0: as well. Okay, make the most of it if you can. Very finally, up next, Birmingham versus Leicester in the Championship. Can Wayne Rooney's Blues maybe put a spanner in the works for Leicester tonight?
1: I can't see it personally. I just look at Leicester, and I just think that they're such a well-oiled machine. I think they've got an incredible, incredible squad. I think they've got a really good way of playing. The players look look confident and motivated. Um, for for Birmingham, it's been obviously a difficult a difficult period. Um, it's a really important important game for 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 Wayne Mooney. Um can they get a result they need they need a result in this type of game to to try to spark something and they'll obviously be you know they'll be confident off the back of beating Cardiff
0: last time out but they need to try to put 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 wins together going mm. into this Christmas period we'll see what they can do might be a backs against the wall performance Danny Cowley thank you for being with us have a very Merry Christmas. Don't spend too much time at the football. Thank you very much, Daddy. Uh, Remember, we've got live action in the Championship coming up here on TalkSport 2 exclusively on Saturday. Lunchtime kickoff at 12.30 between Leeds and Ipswich. Huge game towards the top of the table. Faker others, Mark Wilson and the former Leeds manager, Neil Redfern, are with you for that one. A reminder, you can listen to us every Monday here from 6pm on TalkSport 2. If you miss any of the shows, listen back on the TalkSport app. You can also get us as a podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Just search EFL All Access.